Asia Pacific Currents. News and labour issues from the Asia Pacific region. We strongly condemn the, the police that arrest、uh, the protesters. Saturday mornings at nine o'clock on Community Radio 3CR. Workers of the world should unite to fight this greedy capitalist. Brought to you by Australia Asia Worker Link. Good morning, good morning, dear listeners. Yes, on this well, I was going to say on this beautiful day, but it's actually、um, cloudy and a bit drizzly and a bit cool out there. But anyway,、um, good morning to all of you. I hope you're enjoying a coffee or a tea or just a, a breakfast or getting out there already. Given it's already nine o'clock or one past nine o'clock, here listening to Asia Pacific Currents on 3CR Radio, brought to you every week by Australia Asia Worker Links, and of course、uh, a special hello to all those people who are listening、uh, to this. Program via a podcast or live on the internet, and、um, and as usual, you can always get more information、um, on these issues from the AWL、um, website or Facebook or、um, Twitter account. So、um, our website is all the W's a a w l dot org dot a u. Or you can go to our Facebook page, and、um, you'll get more、uh, these stories and more.、Um, my name is Pierre Morrow. I'm not too sure if I said that before, but I'll say it again.、Um, I'm、uh, all alone here today on the program, but you know we've got a whole set of、uh, items from the region. Some very、um, interest one, interesting ones as well. The、um, the interview coming up in the second half of the. Of the program will be with、uh, Chi Matsumoto, who is an independent、uh, journalist and labour activist from Japan, who will give us a、um, update on the nuclear issue,、uh, the nuclear、um, anti-nuclear movement, anti-militarism movement in Japan. As、uh, this year, there has been a growing anti-militarism、um, movement in Japan, which、uh, culminated on the 30th of August when. Around 120,000 people、um, flooded the streets of Tokyo to protest、uh, against the new militarizing uh, bill um, that uh, Shinzo Abe, the Prime Minister of Japan, is trying to、um, push through the Parliament. But、um, so that、uh, interview will be probably around、uh, quarter past sixteen, past and nine o'clock. But、um, we'll go straight to our news roundup, and what a week it has been, listeners. The first item is: I mean, we often bring、um, some terrible news to you, and I do have some、uh, terrible news in one of these items. But、um, the first item for this week is one of those、uh, news items that you only hear it every a few years. You know,、uh, it's a historic one. Basically, I'm talking about the strike in India that happened、um, this week on the second of September. And now, why am I saying it was historic for anyone that might not have heard about it? It was historic because it was a nationwide general strike, and the estimates are that 150 million workers took part. That's right, listeners. 150 million workers took part in a general strike in India on Wednesday, the second of September. That is by far the biggest strike. Ever in world's history, 
So whenever people say, oh, look, the working class is dead, uh, blah, you know, blah, 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 all those very weak excuses, you can easily see that's, that's not right. Um, now, the, the strike was about the um, – they were protesting against proposed um, laws that would weaken the ability of workers to organize, continuing privatization plans by the government of Modi and an increase – and for an increase in the minimum wage. So, um, brothers and sisters in India, that was fantastic. It's had uh, massive resonance around the world. I've seen lots of uh, links and articles um, about it. It certainly has uh, um, had um, a very stark effect in India, I've I've heard, and uh, we certainly hope that you'll be able to uh, build on such a momentum and such a historic, uh, uh, momentous event in the history of, of, in our history, that uh, you'll be able to keep going and really win good good gains from uh, this historic strike of 150 million workers. So going from such a um, great story, an uplifting story, really, then we have to go to um, one that's uh, not so uplifting. And really, I want to um, take to the uh, refugee crisis in Europe. We don't really cover um, uh, European uh, areas on this program because we do cover the Asia-Pacific region and there's more than enough stories. But the um, the, the issue really is that a lot of the refugees are coming from uh, West Asia and even as far as Afghanistan. Um, the, and while often in the media it, we, it gets talked about the refugee crisis, what are you going to do, what's going to happen in refugee. And while this debate on how to deal with this massive influx of people is important for the welfare of the, of the refugees, this debate overlooks the, 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 the really crucial factor of the reasons behind this influx. And I know that, that um, some uh, politicians um, in Australia uh, who I won't even mention their names think that it's just as easy as to stop the flow and, and somehow erect huge fences, as Hungary is doing. But that just redirects the problem somewhere else because the issue is actually a systemic issue. The problem here is why are these people um, leaving um, Syria, Iraq, Afghanistan, um, now Yemen, um, Libya, etc., etc. And that is the debate we should be having. And the the the, the reasons there, it, you can see that it's a systemic um, crisis where there are continuing wars and repression going on in these in these countries. Many of them totally supported by our own governments. And it, you know, we've just been uh, uh, in Australia. Here, there's the debate about expanding our uh, role from Iraq in bombing in parts of Iraq to bombing parts of, of Syria. So it is the war that we have, we, well, meaning we, we are, our governments have created in collusion with the governments of those regions. Some of them are as, um, like Saudi Arabia and Iran, um, um, you know, while they might be seen as, as, um, as competitors and they are between each other, the, the, the both totally against the working class and very repressive as we have brought you news over the years. And also, 
um, a few years ago, there was a whole wave of, Arab, of the so-called Arab Spring, which is still continuing. If um, listener, regular listeners will know, we've just brought you information in the last few weeks about uprisings in Iraq and in, in Lebanon. Um, but um, in many of these countries, the, 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 these Arab, the Arab Springs has actually been drowned in blood. Um, and I'm not, uh, you know, and it's literally drowned in blood. And the best scenario really is, is Syria. And, um, and really, this is why there is a refugee um, exodus to Europe. The refugees are not the problem. They are the symptom of the problem of the systems that our governments are totally part of, of war, repression and exploitation. And really, only by reinvigorating our movement, a working class movement internationally, globally, to actually say enough is enough. We are tired of wars, we are tired of exploitation, we are tired of inequality, we are tired of injustice. Can we really put a stop to this incredible um, crime that is happening, unfolding um, in front of our eyes um, everywhere from Central, West Asia, North Africa and into Europe? Hey, this is Nick Rampanyar. You're listening to 3CR. Please support community radio and your local music scene. Subscribe now. Give money back to the people that give music to you. Coming to slightly closer to home, well, very um, close to home, to Melbourne, really. As um, uh, regular local listeners would know, we've uh, been having a number of strikes to our public transport here. But for our uh, overseas uh, listeners or listeners who um, <coughs> might be um, interstate, as uh, many other countries of the world, the public transport system uh, here in Melbourne has been privatised. Now, the company that runs our tram and train system, it's called Metro, but in actual fact, uh, Metro is the local name for it, and the major shareholder of it is MTR Corporation, which is a Hong Kong-based uh, company, but it's actually a global company that um, runs public transport system in four other countries. So it has um, runs public transport in five countries. Now, the negotiations for a new enterprise agreement um, are not going very well here because the company, and the issue is not so much wages, but it's all about rostering and about training and about how the system is set up. And the, what it, the company wants to do is wants to introduce new, more flexible rosters, ro- rosters and work arrangements um, that are in line with what it says are world best practices that, it also, that the company also operates in other countries. In other, in other words, these uh, work arrangements would actually leave, lead to more insecure and lower paid jobs. In other words, greater profits for the company. And so what we are seeing here is even though our public transport here in Melbourne is totally localised, like the train lines really go just around Melbourne, the tram lines, the the global economy, the fact that our economy is totally globalised and it's a global company, is the company is actually not looking at just the situation here in Melbourne, but it's also looking at its other 
um, um, cities and other areas where it runs public transport and basically wants to equalize the conditions. But of course, it doesn't say, oh, maybe the conditions in Melbourne are some of the better ones. Let's make sure that all the other workers in um, uh, in the other countries, in other four countries, also have these better conditions. No, it's the other way around. So the company is actually undertaking a race to the bottom um, and trying to equalise down the conditions of workers here. So again, it's a, it's a very good um, insight of how the global race to the bottom, how the global economy affects all industries, even uh, when at uh, at a first uh, look that you would say, oh, well, no, the public transport is Melbourne. is a very localised industry. Where's the um, connection to the global um, economy? And the connection is M- MTR Corporation. So we'll see how, um, how this strike goes, but all the best uh, to our fellow workers and uh, hope you win. Now we go to uh, another um, struggle, to just uh, to our near neighbour, to Indonesia, where on the first day of September, ten, tens of thousands of workers to, took to the streets of the Indonesian capital of Jakarta to demand better laws and a new minimum wage for 2016. This uh, demonstration was uh, jointly coordinated by the three main trade union federations in Indonesia. Uh, it's always good to see um, uh, unity among um, workers' organisation. Now, um, the, in, in Indonesia, have uh, as we have brought to you before, there is the ongoing scourge of uh, casualisation. There are now increasing layoffs this year because as... Um, the global economic crisis is not finished. It seems the global economy, capitalism is slowing down again, and that means we are going to pay. And so there's um, more layoffs in Indonesia. And, of course, persistent high rates of poverty. The, uh, the, so the unions are not all asking for better wages and conditions, but also asking for the government to create uh, job creation uh, programs. Now, if we go from... Um, from the previous years where they've had these uh, big protests. And, and again, um, in Indonesia, they've had protests, nationwide uh, strikes, where they've had millions of people on the street. Um, I think we can see that the uh, their struggle and, and their efforts are going to be um, quite difficult and they're up for a hard struggle. But uh, we certainly salute, salute you to in Indonesia and we wish you all the very best. The Melbourne Street Medics need your help. On Saturday the 18th of July, when we took to the streets against Reclaim Australia, Victoria Police pepper-sprayed the crowd. We treated more than 100 people, and we're asking you to donate to help restock our kits and train up new medics. We believe in empowering people to fight for a better world. Please help us to care for those who stand up for our rights. Please go to ozcrowd.com and search for Melbourne Street Medics, or go to the Melbourne Street Medics Facebook page for more information on how to donate. A very um, worthwhile um, group, to, and they're always out there in the streets supporting us, uh, especially when um, some of us get injured. But, um, God, it's about, uh, is it about? Yes, it's uh, quarter, no, it's not just about, it's, it is quarter past nine o'clock here on uh, Asia Pacific Currents, brought to you every week by, Asia Pac- by Australia Asia Worker Links, here on your favourite community radio station, 3CR Radio. 
Now, um, just one um, very quick last item. Again, as regular listeners to Asia-Pacific Currents would know, the... um, we um, we covered extensively and supported the fight by um, Philippine airline workers against the layoffs that started in 2001 when the company uh, retrenched um, more than 2,000 workers and they tried to uh, casualise the whole workforce. Now, that dispute went for almost three years when in November 2013 an agreement was uh, signed with uh, the 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 Union Palau and the Philippine Airlines to for the reemployment of hundreds of workers. Now, unfortunately, um, about now it's a year and a half from that agreement. What we are what we are hearing now is that um, these um, reemployment provisions have not been uh, enacted as yet by the company. And not only that, the company now citing um, economic uh, efficiency reason, is actually undergoing a new wave of sackings starting from its regional network. So it certainly seems that the, uh, the issue of, uh, of, uh, of Philippine Airlines and, um, and the sackings and casualization is continuing. So we'll probably bring you more news about this uh, uh, ongoing uh, uh, struggle by the Filipino workers in the next few weeks. But that's really all I've got time for. We really, uh, we've got to go to time is really running out, and um, we'll go to a short break, and then we'll come back with our interview with uh, Chi Matsumoto. You're listening to 3CR. This is Billy X Jennings of the Black Panther Party. Power to the people. As I mentioned um, earlier in the um, in the introduction, there's been a whole um, raft of uh, demonstrations and events this year in Japan around uh, nuclear uh, and um, military and war issues. I caught up with a independent journalist and labour activist Chi Matsumoto earlier this week. This year was the 70th, 70th anniversary of the atomic bombs on Hiroshima and Nagasaki's. Are these anniversaries still seen as important by many Japanese? Yes, very much. And especially this year, I think there are a lot more people who gathered for the memorial ceremonies and everyone was watching over how, what Prime Minister Abe was going to say. Before we get to what what happened, why do you think that, given that it has been 70 years, a lot of Japanese mm. people st- still see it as important? That's a very good question. <laughs> I think there are several reasons. One, of course, every year this is a very important, those are the very important days, the, the two dates for Hiroshima and Nagasaki and also the end of the war, which is August 15th. Of course, because it marks the end of end of the war, and Japan is going to. I think everyone was hopeful that Japan was going to recover and become a peaceful country. But I think at the same time, because there is still a lot of people who experienced war, survive are surviving, and they're still around, and so they they make it a point to have these dates marked specifically. But especially this year, I think, well, because of the 70th anniversary, uh, but at the same time, there is a uh, war legislation, the security bills that were proposed in the Diet 
by Prime Minister Abe and his ruling party. And this has become a very serious, important issue in Japan. So that's why, that's one of the reasons why I think everyone felt the need to commemorate these dates. We'll come back to what's happening currently with the uh, Shinzo Abe government and the drive to militarism in a couple of minutes. But certainly, um, having having been to Hiroshima and to the Peace Park, I know uh, that it's a very powerful area. And I'm sure that when you would have the um, commemoration, sentiment and emotions would be mm-hmm. really powerful. But it, mm-hmm. but in terms also of the anniversary, the very fact that the Fukushima disaster happened a few years, do you think that has really brought home once again to the Japanese people? Yes, very much. Um, I think it probably, now it's been four years, but I think it's it's added a lot more value to make note of these dates and especially the relationship with, or what what Japan has experienced with the nuclear bombs and also nuclear disaster. Uh, for a long time after the Nagasaki and Hiroshima, the Japanese government has actually tried to promote, well, of course, this was instigated by the U.S. government, but the Japanese government tried to promote the peaceful use of, the friendly use of atomic energy. And that's why the nuclear power plants were built. And for for the longest time, the Japanese people, a lot of Japanese people believed in it, and they didn't put two and two together. But now, with the disaster in Fukushima, people have realized that, no, this is actually the same energy and that it could be turned into nuclear weapons and also could also lead to disaster, which is which is what happened. One of the people that spoke at the um, anniversary of Hiroshima and Nagasaki was the Prime Minister Shinzo Abe, and mm-hmm. he declared that his country still wants to end nuclear weapons. Do you think that this is reflected in reality of what's happening in Japanese life now? I don't think so, and I think a lot of people who are against the war legislation or security bills probably agree with me, but a lot of people have noticed that there is the reasons, one of the reasons why the Japanese government does not agree to decommission nuclear plants is because of the the possibility of building nuclear weapons. And I think former defense minister has also commented on that in some interviews with a magazine before. And of course, um, Japanese would have the Japanese government would have the technical know-how to do that relatively quickly. That's what he said. Yes. And so you've mentioned a couple of times about the security bill, the war legislation um, that's mm-hmm. coming up, that's been discussed in uh, the Japanese parliament, and we've covered that in some of our news report. Um, mm-hmm. Would it be correct if I said that there is a growing militarism by the Japanese government at currently? Yes, I think that would be a correct notion, but of course... If it is doable, if it's practical, that's I think it's very doubtful. Why do you say it's it's doubtful? Because Japan's military is self-defense force, uh, but it's not. It doesn't have the capacity. The offensive to be capacity. built into right to 
So these bills that are in, in Parliament, the security mm. bill or the war legislation, which uh, again have provoked lots of protest, what, yes. what are they about? What do they actually say about the military in Japan? The protests usually draw a lot of people from different walks of life and different age groups, uh, especially, uh, of course, the core activists or core people are the war generation and also the former security U.S.-Japan security treaty protests, protesters who would be in their 70s and 60s. And then, of course, there's a younger generation, which is the high school students and university students. And what they demand, of course, is strike the security bills. But at the same time, they actually demand the the Prime Minister Abe step down. This last um, demand would seem that this is a um, relatively new and a more political edge to the to the protests. So yeah, I have to add that the younger younger people, they say that they're not only protesting against the security bills, but they are also acting for democracy and freedom freedom and democracy. And this is because a lot of people feel that Japan is no longer a democratic country. The ruling party is deciding on its own. On that point, last mm-hmm. weekend, there was probably one of the biggest demonstrations for many, many years in Tokyo. Mm-hmm. I think over well over 100,000 people against the, the government. What effect has mm-hmm. this had in, in Japan? I think we'll have to see because the bills are it's still in deliberation in the in the diet. But what's interesting is that the government or Prime Minister Abe has announced that they or I guess LDP, his party, LDP has announced that it plans to pass the bills in the week of September fourteenth. And so they still announce that. But some people say that a lot of the po- politicians they are starting to mention that number of people, number of protesters is not important, which is kind of interesting. So they're trying to play down opposition to the, the to these bills. Right. As a last question, it would seem mm-hmm. as an outsider that the anti-war movement has got more of a life. It's it's growing in Japan. Where how do you think it will things will develop in the next six to twelve months? Unfortunately, I think most of us who are in the movement against the security bills, we know that the government will pass the bills, which is unfortunate. But because of that, there are already a group. There is already a group of lawmakers and, um, especially, constitution academics, professors, experts. They're preparing for a lawsuit against the government. And so we will have, this is going to be a long struggle, but that's what they say. Thank you very much, Chi, and we'll certainly um, see how it develops. But certainly from the movement in Australia, we can certainly wish you all the very best. And hopefully, I know you've said that you think the bills are going to pass, but hopefully you and all your brothers and sisters are going to be successful. Thank you. We hope so, too. CR always bringing you the latest union news. 
They're coming after us at the moment. They want to get rid of penalty rates, the big push from businesses. They want to get rid of all the things that you and I have fought for. So there's tens of thousands of jobs gone, contracted out to sham contracting arrangements. On 8.55am and on the web, 3cr.org.au. You were listening to an interview I did um, just recently with Chi Matsumoto, an um, independent journalist and a labour activist from Japan. And that really brings to the end of another program of Asia Pacific Currents. It's just on 28 past 9 o'clock. Um, my name is Pierre Morrow. Um, we'll be back next week with another program of Asia Pacific Currents brought to you every week by Australia Asia Workerlinks. You can look us up on the on the web or on Facebook or on Twitter for more information of the stories we brought to you today. Um, stay listening to 3CR Radio, your favourite community radio station here in Melbourne for the next program coming up straight after this short announcement, which will be Palestine Remembered. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.